The Queerly Radio Show with Rob Gillett. Hello and welcome to the Quiddy Radio Show podcast with me, Rob Gillett. My guest today is one of the biggest names in British YA. Simon James Green's debut, Noah Can't Even, was published in 2017. The sequel, Noah Could Never, the following year, and standalone titles, Alex in Wonderland, Heartbreak Boys and You're the One That I Want have followed. Simon joins me to talk all about his fabulous new book, Gay Club, and the recent controversy over a Catholic church ban on him visiting John Fisher School in Croydon, which has led to an Ofsted investigation and a walkout by teaching staff. Simon joins me now. Hi, Simon. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you, Rob. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, it's nice to have you back on. Uh, Let's talk Gay Club first, which is your latest YA title, which is out now. What's it all about? Well, it is, it's about the uh, race to be president of a school LGBTQ plus society. Um, so uh, the society at Greenacre Academy is actually very small. There's only four students in the actual club. Um, and Barney has basically got 75% of the vote. He's pretty confident. So, you know, Barney's thinking he's going to be president. Um, but the girl he's kind of running against uh, manages to get the vote opened up to the entire school. And so all of a sudden, you've got all the students taking an interest in the LGBT society or the gay club, as a lot of them call it. Um, and suddenly everything descends into uh, a kind of a story of uh, political backstabbing and shenanigans and general outrage and sleaze that kind of comes out as a result of, um, of you know, how low the candidates might go in order to win the uh, the presidency, basically. Um, but it kind of develops into this thing. There's a kind of school-wide prank, which I won't tell you too much about because it's a bit of a spoiler, but that kind of throws the whole club into disarray. And Barney really tries to kind of uh, get their credibility back. Uh, and meanwhile, there's an opportunity um, via a, a kind of uh, a national LGBT society um, organisation to actually get uh, a school LGBT club to be their kind of global ambassadors for a year um, and so there's a big conference down in London where all the clubs kind of gather uh, at which point it uh, it turns out to be a national coming out day for everyone's secrets <laughs> <laughs> so it's really it's it's um yeah it's 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 a fun kind of it's got quite a political edge this uh this book actually but it's it's I had a lot of fun writing that kind of political backstabbing bitching kind of element to it uh which which we've seen a lot in politics recently, i was just gonna I say i can't imagine <laughs> where you got the inspiration from no. um, <laughs> i wondered if you could talk a bit more about some of the main characters because this is perhaps your kind of most diverse cast so far um because you can't just call it gay club <laughs> indeed not absolutely um yeah it was really nice i mean the story is is still told from the point of view of of barney who is a uh, a gay boy um but uh because it is the lgbt society it was really great uh that i was able to include lots of um other identities within that so um so barney's uh best friend and and kind of campaign manager is george who is a trans guy for example um and uh his 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 um his uh he's sort of got a range of of friends and and uh, other people who you know appear in the book so there's there's kind of um uh bisexual people lesbians um uh so a real kind of mix really i tried to 
I can't say that I've, I've, you know, I've managed to include every kind of shade of the rainbow within the book. Um, but uh, I think out of all of my books, this is definitely the most diverse in terms of different representation that's that's within it for sure. Uh, which I thought, was, you know, that was really important to get that in. And now you do a lot of work in schools. How widespread are LGBTQ plus societies now? And are they always as dramatic as in the book? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the great thing is that they uh, they do seem to be really widespread. I go into loads of secondary schools now and and the vast majority of them do have some form of LGBT society or club um, and often includes sort of allies as well. Um, uh, so it's a really nice thing. So I see it a lot. I often get to meet those students as well. I often, you know, maybe at lunchtime or something or as a separate session, I'll kind of meet the LGBT society, which is fantastic. Um, I, I mean, I can't say uh, they're probably all as dramatic as what happens in the book uh but um what what i do get a sense of is that uh those students are really passionate about lgbt rights and uh they sense when there's been injustice and they know that um we have to keep fighting actually as well i would say um so they're very the sense i get from a lot of them is that they're really clued up individuals and um and they uh, they want to make the world a better place, uh, you know, especially for, for LGBT young people, which is great. So so exactly like, you know, the, the students in the book, basically. I guess in a sense, a lot of the drama is brought to their door anyway, um, which sort of leads me on to my next question, which is that, you know, although Gay Club is packed full of, of comedy and proper laugh out loud moments, um, it, it also doesn't kind of sugarcoat or shy away from the challenges of growing up queer. Was it important to you that that was part of the story? Yeah, I really, um, I did really want to show that. I mean, you'll know, you know, if anyone has read my previous books, you'll know that I like a kind of a, a sweet, soft kind of rom-com uh, anyway. And I, I, of course, there is an element of that in the book. But it was really important to me that actually uh, I showed some of the grittier reality in terms of what LGBT kids go through uh, sort of every day of their lives, basically, both at school, in the street, online, at home, wherever they may be. You know, they uh, a lot of them do face challenges and abuse and and problems. Um, and so, yeah, I, I really wanted to get all that kind of in there and and show all the different places that kind of that kind of abuse c- comes from. It's not just from necessarily from from students in their own school, you know, with homophobic abuse in the corridor. So you get a little bit of that in gay club. That's definitely in there. Um, but, you know, also the online stuff that happens as well. And there's a kind of a, a kind of a LGBT hate group that emerges on Twitter, for example, during the course of the campaign. And the students have various issues with that group as well. Um, so, yeah, I really wanted to, to show what some of them are up against, I think. Um, because when I go into schools, that's the message I get from, from the students. You know, they don't tell me that it's all sunshine and rainbows and everything's fine now. Um, uh, there are certainly lots of good things that have happened. And certainly from my point of view, things have got a lot better in the last um, decade or so. But, they, you know, those students do tell me that that homophobia is still an issue for them. They, you know, they still hear homophobic slurs in the corridor at school. Um, Many of them have parents who are not sympathetic, who they can't actually be themselves around, which is desperately sad. Um, You know, so there's there's definitely issues there that, that I wanted to cover and hopefully do. 
Now, there's an amazing um, cameo from one of my favourite characters of yours in the book. Um, can we talk about that? Is it a surprise? Can you at least give some clues? I think we can talk about uh, we can talk about that because yes, at one point uh, Barney, in, a, in an effort to um, you know to show what a what a great person he is, uh, decides to take some LGBT picture books to the local primary school, <laughs> and um, and George decides you know a really great kind of uh, PR angle for this would be if they got a drag queen along to kind of read the story as well, a kind of drag queen story time type of thing, which is actually a thing. So that's all great. They do that, and um, yeah, it turns out to be none other than Bambi Sugar Pops from the Noah novels. <laughs> so uh, she's hot-footed it across from uh, from Lincolnshire to uh, come and help them out. Um, yeah, I was glad I was able to do that, actually, because Bambi's one of my favourite characters as well. I absolutely adore her. And uh, it was fun to be able to just get a little bit of um, Bambi in there. <laughs> yeah, I love that little surprise. And uh, nice to see she hasn't changed a bit. She hasn't um... <laughs> changed a bit. She's still still embarrassing teenage boys all over the country. That's uh, <laughs> That's what she does. Okay, we're going to um, take a break for a song here, something you've chosen. Um, it's Don't Stop Believing by Journey. Why this song? Oh, this is Barney's election song. So he has his song play after his big kind of husting speech as his kind of playoff music. So um, he feels this really kind of sums up uh, the, the mood and feeling of his campaign. Hello, me again, not Journey. Um, I'm afraid we can't play you the song on the podcast. Anyway, if you are enjoying this interview, please make sure you subscribe to the Queerly podcast channel wherever you listen. And just a reminder that if you do listen on Spotify, you'll also be able to listen to the Queerly radio show with the songs and everything in full. All right, back to my interview with Simon. Journey with Don't Stop Believing on the Queerly radio show where I'm joined by YA author Simon James Green. Um, Simon, you have been in the news recently. Um, are you okay to talk about that for a bit? Yeah, let's talk about that, definitely. Okay, so I think probably best just to start by reminding us what happened and then we can talk about where things are at. Yeah, so I mean, as, as you mentioned earlier, Rob, you know, I go into a lot of uh, schools all around the country and have been doing for well over five years now. And I go in and I, uh, you know, I talk about my YA books with them. Um, and, you know, that talk features a range of things. It, you know, it talks about the awkwardness of teenage years, um, you know, which is something that applies to everybody. I talk about how, you know, my inspiration for writing the books, my love of comedy and of laughter um, as a vehicle for telling those stories and there is always a section on um, on LGBTQ plus and why that was important to me and I talk about things like section 28 and how I never had books like that when I was at school and how I wanted to therefore write books featuring LGBT characters and themes um, and uh, I was scheduled to go into a school uh, down in Croydon um, back in March uh, to give that regular talk and uh, the school were really excited all the teachers and the pupils and the senior leadership team and the governors were really behind it and thought it would be a great thing uh, to do and to inspire the students um, but they were overruled by the um, Catholic Archdiocese of Southwark who kind of have overall uh, I guess control of Catholic schools in the area and um, 
they decided the visit couldn't go ahead and they cancelled it. They said the contents of the book was some of the lines of outside the scope of what is permissible uh, within a Catholic school was their reasoning. Um, so there was a lot of horror about that decision, obviously. Um, it was it was picked up by, um, by a lot of the national press who were running articles um, about it. Um, there was a, uh, a kind of a, what I can only describe as a, a right-wing Catholic hate site picked up on it. And um, I was bombarded with, with kind of vile messages on social media and emailed death threats as well. I don't know whether that came from them directly or from someone who else, but, you know, it was, it was picked up by a lot of people who felt very strongly, quite clearly. Um, and, um, uh, and it's been going on ever since, to be honest with you. The, the school staff are actually going on strike, um, as a matter of fact, because they feel so strongly about it, obviously. Um, so that's happening as well. Um, so it's been quite a uh, quite a roller coaster few weeks, uh, really, in terms of in terms of what's been going on. Yeah, I bet. Um, it, I mean, it really annoys me. You're the second author I've had on this series of the show who's come on and told me they've received death threats for the books they write, which is just horrible and shocking. And well, just makes me wonder. I understand Ofsted have now issued their report, which is kind of in your defence. Yeah, Ofsted are uh, were have issued a really supportive um, report, um, and you know they were pointing out that you know that the school, the staff at the school are really caring. There's a really caring, supportive atmosphere. That pupils there feel included and able to be themselves. So all the things you would basically want any secondary school, any school, uh, to be basically a loving, supportive, caring environment. And and it was great that Ofsted picked up on that and and have said that in the report. You know, and but part of the reason for that is is because, you know, they are you know, they want people like me to go in and talk about our experiences with the students and they have access to books that, that feature a whole range of diverse experiences. You know, that's really a really important thing. It's really important if you want that atmosphere that LGBT students, um, you know, see themselves in books and uh, feel valid and and cared for within the school community. And that students that aren't LGBT also, uh, you know, get to walk in someone else's shoes and understand a little bit about what life is like for those students. Uh, so they can understand their peers a little bit better. That can only be a good thing, you know. Um, that's how you create that sort of atmosphere and environment. So, um, so yeah, the fact the Archdiocese would come in and try and trample on all that good work is just appalling as far as I'm concerned. Um, and and what a terrible message to send not just the LGBT students in the school, but all the students in that school, because effectively what you're saying is this topic is out of bounds, it's not the right thing to discuss, it's age inappropriate, and all those other pathetic reasons that people often give for saying why LGBT books or uh, matters can't be discussed in schools, you know. Um, uh, it's it's a shocking thing. And of course, we, you know, we've been seeing it in the US an awful lot as well. And uh, like so many things, it's only a matter of time before more of that starts to filter over here and the kind of religious right in particular um, will start to push back against all the great work so many people have been doing for, for so long. 
It's uh, horrifying. Yeah, absolutely. And um, obviously, you're you're quite a high profile figure going to schools. This story has has made it into the news, which is is great in the right places. Do you worry about how often this sort of thing is going on at a kind of lower level, which is going under the radar? Yeah, I think that's that is the worry. Absolutely, that that you know uh, that some schools just decide. Do you know what? It's not it's not worth the hassle, and we just won't invite uh, an author who's who writes LGBT books. You know, just in case there's pushback from our particular group of parents, and that is a worry. Yeah, um, definitely. And I, I would be fairly confident that is going on at a lower under the radar type of level, um, which is a real problem. Um, I, it, you know, it, to me, it feels like it. You know, we need ideally really clear guidance from uh, you know Department of Education that actually, you know, you need to include this sort of stuff in your you know in your curriculum and and in your author visits. Um, you know, I don't think we can be. It, it's not good to be in a place where pressure groups and even parents can start to pressurise schools into what they can or can't teach, you know. The point is, schools are full of education professionals who know what they're doing. And like any professional in any area, uh, there needs to be a level of trust that these people know what they're doing and they know the kids really well and they know what is best for that particular group of students at any particular time. And the fact is, different things are right for different students at different times. And, you know, I've been into schools where the staff has said, you know, our year sevens, 11 to 12 year olds, really need to hear about your YA books. And uh, we want you to talk to them. Don't hold back, you know, do what you normally do. Um, but I've been to other schools where, you know, the youngest they want me to speak to is year nine because they don't feel their year sevens or eights are ready for it. But the point is, you know, children are ready for different things at different times in their lives. They all come from very different backgrounds. They arrive in secondary school with a whole range of experiences that they've had. And just because something isn't right for one particular child or group of children doesn't mean it's not right for another. And I think the only people who are able to make those decisions in the best interest of the students are the teachers, the librarians in those schools who spend five days a week with those kids and know them phenomenally well and know what is best for them. Um, That's what has to happen because... Otherwise, you have people, where does it stop? Otherwise, you know, do, do, you, know, do you suddenly have parents saying, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm a flat earther, so I'd <laughs> rather you didn't uh, teach anything about the world being round in science classes, you know. Uh, you know, that, that's the thing. You know, you, you've got so many people with, increasingly with bizarre views of the, of the world, literally, in that case. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, we can't allow a situation where where all these different groups can suddenly think they they know something about education and what's and what's best. Um, I'm interested to know kind of how this whole thing has impacted you on a on a more personal level because it really goes against kind of everything you stand for in in your writing and the work that you've done. So I imagine it must be very difficult to kind of confront something like this. Yeah, it was horrible, actually. And uh, I think I spent a number of of weeks when it first kicked off. I I found it really stressful because um, I've never actually, despite sort of writing these sort of books for five or six years now, I've never been on the receiving end of that much hatred from people and having to actually actively block Twitter accounts from um, 
from people saying, you know, horrible, disgusting things and throwing various slurs my way and much of it being defamatory if you could actually, you know, be bothered to pursue it. Um, so it was it was a really horrible thing. And, and, you know, it did impact me because it was exhausting. I was I was receiving so many notifications. I was having to deal with so many journalist requests in terms of people wanting comments or articles. Uh, and, you know, in some cases, that was fine. And in other cases, you have to be a little bit careful what outlets are asking you because, you know, their angle might not necessarily always be um, one that's on side, you know. So that's stressful as well. And um, it impacted my my writing time, you know, and, and the headspace that I need to be able to, to kind of, you know, get a draft down um, on paper. So, yeah, it's it's been exhausting, to be honest with you, and upsetting. Um, uh because it really it really brought it home, I think, uh, that there there was you know there are people out there who uh, are now very actively pushing back against a lot of the things the LGBT community has been able to achieve, uh, you know, in the last few years, um, and it's as though they feel emboldened now to uh, to start pushing back against it more and more which is a terrifying thing and i think when you when you add that to the book bans that have been happening in the us as well um it's it's really alarming and it's quite depressing and it's it's incredibly upsetting um in terms of what's going on there as well so um yeah worrying times rob i think yeah absolutely and i think um i was talking to phil stamper a few weeks ago about book bans in the us and um something I asked him was like where at what point will will it start to impact you professionally because if there's no space for the books then publishers who ultimately having the best intentions in the world if there is not a marketplace for them to put books into will naturally start to pull back on them well that's that's exactly you know that's the one you know that's that's why I you know that's what happened during section 28 and one of the reasons why kind of LGBT uk ya is is sort of behind the us in terms of amount and quantity was because you know for years um there wasn't a market for it because we couldn't get the books into schools so um absolutely that 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 would that's absolutely a worry that at some point you know so many schools aren't able to stop the books that um that the market just dries up for them and yeah then it becomes uncommercial so then we have real we have real problems so yeah he's right it's a it's a real concern Okay, on to more positive things before we go. Um, I just want to chat to you about Heartstopper, which has gone from being kind of a phenomenon in publishing terms to now just like a global phenomenon in all senses, thanks to the Netflix adaptation. Um, First of all, have you seen the show? Well, I haven't actually watched it yet because I'm saving it up as a treat uh, for when I finish this current draft i'm working on actually so um so i'm trying to i'm trying to uh <laughs> trying to ignore any spoilers on twitter <laughs> which is basically impossible, impossible yeah. um but uh but no but i do know the books well and i know alice very well so it's um it's a fabulous it's a fabulous thing that's going on um well the second thing i wanted to know was are we likely to see any of your stories on screen anytime soon i mean i think i think gay club would be the absolute perfect tv series well i think it would be too obviously of course i think that i hope so and i hope what i hope what the success of heartstopper shows and and i hope when people also think back to the success of things like love simon as well um and actually things like it's a sin um 
that, you know, all of these uh, pieces have been hugely successful. They've, they've, they've achieved high ratings and, um, and great reviews, and they've been really popular. There is such a market for these stories, and people clearly are starved of them and want them. And I really hope um, broadcasters and channels and production companies really take that on board and see how much of an opportunity there is there, because there, is, there are loads of great LGBT YA books which are just begging for adaptations as TV shows or or films and, and I think the issue to date has always been you know you, you you'll go out and pitch these things to various companies and so often the response you'll get is you know yes we, we love it but we've already got an LGBT YA show on the slate and basically their sort of point of view is they've got one and that's enough and that's all they're prepared to kind of you know uh, develop and put put some weight behind and of course the thing is all these stories are very very different you know yes their running theme is that they contain lgbt characters and themes but but beyond that you know they're all very different stories so i i really would like to see uh media companies really you know digging deep into what exactly is out there and how much how many fabulous stories there are that could be told and being a bit braver to be honest about what they take on and what they develop and knowing that actually do you know what it's fine if channel 4 has more than one lgbt young adult show featuring teenagers why not you know that is there's clearly a demand for it and and clearly a lot of interest that would be a great thing i think and um and i hope shows like you know heartstopper give people the confidence that 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 is very much a, a doable thing. Yeah, I mean, it seems absolutely the next step is to move from outside of that box they currently tick, <laughs> just making yeah. it part of of the overall kind of output of of any any channel, any platform. Yeah, hundred um, percent. All right, finally, Simon, what's next for you? What does summer have in store? <laughs> well, uh, we've we've got a lot of we've got a lot of events for Gay Club coming up actually in terms of so so fabulously now that everything's sort of opened up again a little bit. Um, there's there's lots of book festival type appearances that I'm scheduled to do, so that's a really nice thing. So lots of events for Gay Club, um, and then the small matter of of writing something new for next year, which I guess I'll be doing over kind of July and August most likely. Um, so uh, I'm going to have to really keep my head down, knuckle down, and and get something new written. So what that is going to be, Rob, I have no idea right now. <laughs> so I'm, sure, keep... I'm sure inspiration is just around the corner. Oh, I hope um, so. You have to keep your fingers crossed for me. One thing that I've forgotten to mention is I've got the copy of Gay Club now, which is just fantastic and sparkly and rainbow coloured and yes. has a quote on the front, fabulous, um, yes. from me yeah. from Queerly yeah. Radio so That's I'm right. absolutely thrilled with that thank you uh, for putting that on there well we were honor. well thank you for such a great quote it was it was um it was highly appropriate for the front cover of that book in particular we thought so um yeah I have to say the the front cover Scholastic Bless Them have gone all out on that and it's it's rainbow hollow foil that's the technical term um and it's a gorgeous thing don't you think absolutely I've never seen anything quite like it <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to open it. I don't want to damage it in any way. It's very much a display item uh, for me now. Um, Simon, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, It's great to have you on the show for a second time, and you are always welcome. Thanks so much, Rob. It's gorgeous speaking to you as ever. The Queerly Radio Show with Rob Gillett. 
I still can't believe my uh, name is sort of on the cover of that. But Gay Club is out now. It really is fabulous. Um, if you want more author interviews like this, then do check out the other episodes available in the Queerly podcast channel, uh, including my chats with Douglas Stewart, Justin Myers, uh, Phil Stamper is in there. Check it out and subscribe now if you like. And also, if you enjoyed this episode, please do leave a rating. It really does help. Um, I'll see you next time on the Queerly Radio Show podcast.